Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at the PW offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm also co-editor of PW Comics World, as well as graphic novels review editor at Publishers Weekly and the editor-in-chief at The Beat at comicsbeat.com. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And remember, you can subscribe to More to Come on iTunes, and we're on social media at, at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld, and on Twitter, we're at pwcomicsworld. This week on More to Come, the Comics Retailers Survey. Uh, a preview of new spring shows, comics to film to TV, and of course the news briefs. So let's get right to it. The Comics Retailers Survey, our annual a look at a selected group of retailers around the country, um, uh, written by Shannon O'Leary. Uh, right now it's behind a paywall, but about three weeks, the rest of the world, the non-subscribers can get to it. But uh, um, it, a very interesting survey that um, I think sort of isolated a couple of new trends, uh, despite some uh, sort of a decline in early year sales. Uh, retailers also say there's a bit of migration, uh, which we've kind of been talking about here for a while of uh, sales to indie, uh, a lot of independent publishers. Well, I mean, when you say indie, I, I think really the word is non-big two because yeah. I think that's really yeah. a more, um, uh, you know, a more uh, accurate description. And, you know, we've been talking about these, but uh, Shannon got a lot of retailers to go on the record, you know, talking about numbers. And, Boy, she did. And, uh, you know, retailers don't, if you're successful, and all the ones that she talked to are very successful, uh, you know, they hopefully operate on supply and demand, not supply and desire, as some people call it. So it's uh, really pretty interesting. And, you know, Saga continues to really rule the roost um, mm-hmm. in both the They just came out with the third trade. Third trade came out. It's topping the charts right now, um, number one on Amazon and um, Amazon's graphic novel chart. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I, there's, there's a change. The wind is, there's a change in the wind. I really feel this. And I, I feel that it's, it's partly because of all of the new arenas that are a- available for comics readers. You know, there's just so many just different kinds of things coming out and different kinds of readers who are being attracted to it. And, and at the same time, I think, uh, the big two are kind of set in their, um, I don't want to say a rut, but let's just say they have a well-worn highway <laughs> that they're traveling on, even if it's going nowhere. Well, <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't seem like it's a great or terrible time for the superhero books. They're kind of in a land of mediocrity, where there are a few good books, and there are a few really terrible books, but the rest of it is like not even being able to tell which title is which, which is always a bad sign. Yeah, I mean, I mean, many of the retailers talk about uh, readers sort of migrating away from lower tier, yeah, big two uh, books. Uh, while at the same time, they also talk about you know Batman titles, uh, various yeah. that are yeah, that people, are right. some people of their are, big sellers. Yeah, people but, uh, are snapping up you know the, the good ones, the but lead the lines titles. are maybe not as strong as they might be. Uh, and then the rest of the discussion was kind of about, you know, IDW and image books. Well, and, the point uh, is is that, that image and IDW and Boom and, and Dark Boom, Horse are, are all having hits that yeah. are not, um, that, that, you know, they're having uh, big hits. Yeah. Um, and they're and not superhero related. They're, they're not, not superhero which related at all. makes it very interesting that it's into this market climate that Dark Horse is is launching and solidifying and promoting their super their new superhero line. Right. Right. Well, you know what but I you know I think that's a very small part of what Dark Horse is doing right now and 
Um, you know, here's a quote from the article. We're reporting that sales at his store, Earth 2, have been quieter than last year's, but okay, store owner Cardangelo uh, echoes observations that declines were not sell-through numbers. Dave Pfeiffer, yeah. co-owner of Secret Headquarters, says that compared to last year's, they sell up a little. He speculates that if stores are heavy sellers of Marvel DC, the numbers are down. There is evidence to support this notion that stores that order a lot of Marvel DC did not get off to a great start this year. In fact, one retailer we spoke with is considering shaving 10% off of its Marvel DC bottom list orders in an effort to marginally improve profitability. Um, well, that pretty much says it all. <laughs> yeah, that does, you know. Uh, and uh, it, there's another quote here from one of the retailers that says that uh, readers are looking at Marvel and DC's lower selling books and not liking them and saying, you know what, I, I, that, that Sex Criminals book from Image everybody's talking about, maybe I should buy that instead. That's great. Yeah. Uh, or... It, Paul Pope's Battling Boy, or Ed Pisker's Hip Hop Family Tree, you know, or, or My Beatles. Little Pony, or, or Velvet. Adventure Time, Absolutely. or Velvet, or, and of or... course Saga. Yeah, Saga, <laughs> Saga, but... Saga. Yeah, Saga. Um, but I mean, if you look at the sales charts, you can mm. see that there are a lot of indie books that are are um, you know really competitive with with those kind of bottom dwellers at Marvel and DC, yeah. and um, yeah, and I mean, well, they're not just competitive with the bottom dwellers they're they far surpass them yes i mean yes, yes. The, mm-hmm. I, it might just be market oversaturation with marvel and dc well kate you're our most regular dc reader i mean how do you well, feel i mean this, I, what do you feel about this era I, yeah. well i feel like because they're committed to having 52 comics <laughs> that they're you sound dubious of that yeah old <laughs> i i don't i mean I, it's just sort of this random number worship that i don't understand um, yeah, but you know, in the latest solicitations, I think they only had 38 books. It's the new 38. Yes, the new 38. So <laughs> well, then 52 is more of a... Even so, I mean, it feels it's been bloated. There are some books that I just don't even know why they exist. I'm like, no, really, why does this book exist? Like, what is the market for it? I don't understand. Um, there are definitely good books coming from there, but there are some... I, I feel like because they rushed to get the new 52 out originally... Some titles that had been strong got damaged because their rewrite and reconception was done so quickly with so little editorial oversight that, you know, they just don't sell anymore because what people liked about them is gone. And so they're these just zombie titles kind of hanging around and not in the fun Walking Dead way. Right. And, you know, and and Marvel is, I don't even know what they're doing. They're overturning so many titles and, like, renaming them and stuff every five minutes that I think I think there are just so many titles that people are just understandably not buying the ones that aren't that great. Do you think that the creators are a draw on the titles? I mean, Marvel is definitely still going with more recognizable creators on their books. And, you know, a lot of the... Like, to, just today, they launched... Um, as we record this, they launched a, a new Marvel uh, Silver Surfer book by Dan Slott and Mike Allred. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. sounds like a A-list title, although the I mean, they have, they been... have some A-list titles, mm-hmm. but I mean, it, they're more creator-driven, we... is what I'm trying to and say. And we should yeah. say the Miss Marvel title got mentioned by a lot right. of re- retailers. Yeah, also. yeah. They, the, I think that the good ones that they have are creator-driven by good creators who are working at the top of their game. But a lot of them are just like. Let's take some characters who are hot right now and put them in a blender and make it a title, even though they're already in five other comics. Mm-hmm. And I feel yeah. like there's a limit to how many Thor books someone's going to buy. Right, right, right. Yeah. Let me just let the uh, listeners know, in case that they are interested, it, this, this, the Comics Retailer Survey is an annual survey. It's, uh, you can get it now in the print issue, the March 24th print issue. 
if you're not a subscriber, you can't get it online just yet. Um, it, uh, and to be sure, it's not a scientific survey. It is a, a small informal survey, roughly about 10 retailers we talk to every year. And we change, we, we recycle retailers in and out of it. I think, um, and of those 10 or actually 11 this year, let's see, I think it was about three other, or four of the publishers were either down or flat. And the rest of the publishers said they were their sales were up. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I are you uh, talking about the publishers? Or I'm talking, talking excuse about the me, excuse stores? me, the the stores, the, the retail shops. Yes, yeah. yeah. Sales are flat for January yeah. and February. We've seen the sales figures, and they are definitely flat. Yeah. Um, especially in periodicals, uh, graphic novels are down, mm. but um, there seems to be some kind of like last February was really gangbusters. I mean, I think at this time last year we were talking about just how you know amazing sales were and everything, and there's some really really strong product coming out um you know and i've been talking to some retailers off the record about this uh, some who are in the story some who weren't and um no one disagrees with it uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know there there is in this business that's yes. pretty interesting yes it is i mean when you have a retailers agree on anything it's yeah. very unusual and uh it is um definitely um uh there's but i i, I think no, i should say also retailers actually did blame the weather to some degree right but the numbers that we're looking at that are flat are sell-in, not sell-through. Yes, exactly. So, and that's um, a, a difference between right. a direct, direct market. So, uh, but, and, I, uh, I, but I think what people are also talking about is, again, you know, the fact that image in particular right now is very it's hot. Riding um, high. It's riding high among a new, On good product. Uh, a new product. And, and, yeah. and it's for, you know, for young readers, for younger readers getting into this, uh, I don't think it's as much, much of an article of faith for them that Marvel and DC are it. Yeah. Well, I mean, and not just new readers getting into it, although some, many of them are not young, the new readers getting into it, um, but a lot of people who had been Marvel and DC diehards are just kind of drifting yeah. and being like, hey, I can read other comics. <laughs> and we should also mention here that, once again, and we've mentioned this before, but uh, it, out of the story, uh, retailers are once again talking about digital uh, as a platform that's sending new readers into their stores. Right. Uh, yeah. right. Younger readers who are kind of, yeah, getting into comics perhaps for the first time. They're not hooked into the big two paradigm that all of us are. And they're just interested in the most interesting book that they find. Right, right. And, you know, we haven't even mentioned The Walking Dead. Uh, you know? <laughs> yeah. Which, of course, I mean, which is, uh, you know, a, a six-lane superhighway yeah. through the sales. It's you know? zombie-like, undying, like, yeah. lurch, you, you know, you know, the best You know, when you've got list. that strong a connection to <laughs> a hit media property, when you th- really, there's a specific book, everyone knows what it is, and they can right. pick it up, and it's awesome. Absolutely. They're going to buy it. Yeah, they are. That, and that's um, And, uh, you know, but I, I think there's more to come on this. And as mm. I said in my own piece about this, uh, you know, Ms. Marvel might be the flavor of the month, or it might be a game changer. And I, I think... I don't know if it'll be a game changer, but I think it's more than a flavor of the month because I've read issue two. It's just as good. G. Willow Wilson's amazing. The art is great. I think it's going to be a keeper. I think it's going to be strong for at least a few years. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I hope you're right. I'm looking now. It was the number 24 book uh, the month it debuted, which is probably a bit of a surprise given... Uh, although some people said it should have been higher, but, you know, yeah. I mean, I think that's a very strong debut. We'll, we'll see how the second issue sales are. Yeah. That'll be really important. Right, so. and that's... That, again, is sell in, not sell through. That's right. That's mm. what That's retailers right. think the numbers will be. It'll be interesting what happens when, 
you know, we see their numbers being affected by yeah. what people are buying. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, this is, I mean, this is something I think we will be talking about quite a bit as 2014 continues absolutely. to evolve. Absolutely. And yeah. uh, one of the places. Well, it's the diversification of the comics yeah, market. Absolutely. It's something that we've all thought about. Yeah. And yeah. And some about. of it's long tail. I mean, we're mm-hmm. not seeing gigantic, ginormous blockbusters. Uh, not necessarily where we expect to see them. But you know what? It's 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 a wider, more shallow pool. The pie is bigger. It's just not a very thick pie. Okay. Well, I don't know. I think <laughs> if you're, crust. I yeah. think if you're image, the pie is a lot thicker than they expected. <laughs> <laughs> image pie. It's yeah, thick. Yeah. How about yeah. that? Well, uh, one of the places we will be talking about this, uh, or I will anyway, will be Emerald City Comic Con. Well, which spring uh, con season. Yes, yeah, spring con season is well underway, It'll and this will be weather. my, I guess, my third show of the year. Uh, I've already lost track of where I've been and what I've. Done. That's all right. You're way ahead of the rest well, of us. Well, <laughs> yeah. And uh, well, I am headed off there uh, on tomorrow morning, bright and early. And this is a show that's in its 12th year. It's held in Seattle. And it's evolved. I, I think the common wisdom now is it's the third biggest show in America. Probably the fourth biggest in the North America. Uh, but maybe a tied for, uh, for third. Um, some 85,000 people are going. I mean, it's amazing. It, it's already sold out. Uh, you know, just like Comic-Con in San Diego and New York Comic-Con. It's been sold out for weeks, and um, you know we were uh, going and uh, looking for a hotel room, and that was very difficult. I mean, people who want to go last minute—I mean, it's easy to get a flight, but it's very hard to get a hotel room in downtown Seattle right now because of this Comic Con. So it's really taken over, um, and fan enthusiasm is is pretty incredible. Like, I mean, this really has become the most popular show on the circuit I would have to say just because everybody likes Seattle even though it's going to be raining every single day (laughs) well once you're inside a comic con it doesn't matter Yes, that's right. Uh, so, although you, you might wish for, and you know, one of the things I've been noticing about this con also is that the programming is really very modern, refreshed. I mean, a lot of very mm. uh, outspoken folks on Twitter and Tumblr are putting together the uh, programming. So, we're mm. seeing a lot of that new readership and diversity that I was just talking about. I think we're seeing that very much reflected at Emerald City. So, I'm really, I haven't been in four years. I've only, this my only my second trip. So, I'm really looking forward to going, hopefully, snagging a few interviews while I'm there right. and, um, you know, getting the, putting that finger in the wind. Right. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, the other show I guess we'll be talking about, and we're kind of giving another quick preview here, is Mocha. The yeah. Mocha Fest the is one, coming the up. The only Mocha. Yeah. April 5th and 6th. Yes. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be. Where are they hosting it this time? It's at the same it's place. Oh, it's at the same place. Yeah. Um, but you know what? They've... Some big changes this year. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know what? I mean, last year was the first time the Society of Illustrators had put it together. Mm-hmm. And uh, they took it over very quickly. Um, definitely kind of threw it together at the last minute. And this time they've had a whole year to plan. And it has some pretty amazing things. Like it's going to have a Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade inside the armory of Wait, Snoopy. what? How? Yeah. Well, they inflate a balloon. Yeah, they take it in on a cart and then they blow like it up. This. Yeah. yeah it's well, going to be uh, Charlie Brown. What the heck? The Why Charlie not? Brown balloon is going to be in there. This was a dream of the show director, Anel Miller. And, you know, when she told me this, I just bowed down before her because this is going to be pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, that'll bring people just for that. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And it's only $5 to get in. Yes, get that's to, the other thing. Know. They've changed the whole fee structure. It's 5 bucks a day, I think it is, yeah. to get in. That's great. used to be, what, 15 Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It was way, way... Uh, 
more expensive. And um, you I know, know a lot of casual fans who will be going at the lower price. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes. because you can just like drop by, pay five bucks, check the scene out, get and, out, and as Anel has said herself, you know. Uh, there'll be a few shekels left over for you to exactly. spend once you get inside. Exactly. Whatever and they lose on the, the at the gate, they're going to pick up by the, the exhibitors making absolutely. A and more you money. know the uh, the ex- programming has just gone up. It's very uh, put together by Bill Cardinalopoulos. Very. Mm-hmm. And, He's doing all of the yeah. It's the very very smart, very focused, very in depth. Um, and I know there's food down in the basement. They're going to have the cafe yeah, yes, back. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Kate, even though you rolled your eyes when you said the armory. Well, I'm I'm more concerned about just quite simply the logistics of the armory. Because while it is a beautiful building and it's the right size a for a con. Building. And a historic building. And the right size for a con of Mocha's type. It does have, how shall we put this, air conditioning issues. Yeah, but that's why they hold it in April. And the way the weather's yeah. been, we'll be lucky if it's <laughs> Yes, snowing. we may have to turn the heat on. Yeah, yeah. but it, <laughs> I mean, frankly, I feel like it could be in December and would have heating issues because when you put that many warm human beings in the armory, it always heats up. Even if it's average yeah. April temperature outside, which it's been a couple yeah. years. It, has, it wasn't bad last year. Yeah. It's, it was fine. It, it can get broiling in there very well, I've easily. been there when it's been awful. But oh, yeah. It, it the year people been, were passing yeah, out, yeah. they were dragging them out yeah, yeah. On, no, you know, onto the sidewalk and fanning them. Yeah. It was horrible. Yeah. It, it, it <laughs> just sort of makes me wonder why they're so attached to the armory. <laughs> well, I'll tell you why. Because it's uh, the only one they... Uh, it's like the only the, one that... The cost is... is yes. Oh, oh yeah. so it has oh, a good they price. absolutely they're they get trying, a good deal. They did look at other venues. She says there's nothing for the money that's even close to Well, then, okay. Yeah. So. so and I, I, you know, I, 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 I understand I, that. I agree with you on the the fact that it's kind of far from an ideal environment. Um, however, you know, I think a lot of events are thrown there, and it yeah. can be dressed up. But I think bringing in a balloon is a good start. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, it's not that it's visually problematic. I was just thinking more of practicalities. But you know, if if it really is a good bargain, then I can't blame them. Yeah. And remember, there's going to be uh, there will be exhibitions. They do they do their annual exhibition there on the floor. Um, there are their show prizes again uh, this year. I, so far, I don't know all of the people there, but we got Alison Bechtel, Howard Cruz, Fiona Staples, uh, Robert Williams, uh, and many more. Yeah, many, 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 many more. Many, many uh, more. Host, host Swart is going to be there, yeah. the famous Dutch cartoonist. Um, uh, Brecht Vandenbroek, another Dutch uh, cartoonist. Um, just And everybody from yeah. New York. I mean, it's going to be great. And, so. and when I'm muttering a panel basically on World War Three. It'll be about the new. Yeah, they have a new book coming out. Right. It's about That's the right. thirty-five years of um, World War Three and mm. the, the whole World War Three gang. I think was going to be on the. Panel, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. No, yeah. It's, it's, it's the the program is is totally top yeah. notch. And you know, I'm really looking forward to this show. Granted, it's I, I, literally a block from my house, so it's the one <laughs> show I'm always on time to. But and but it, don't have to wake up early to get to. It's also, I mean. I just think that uh, the Society of Illustrators taking over MoCA is the best thing that ever could have happened to it. Uh, the care and professionalism and resources they're bringing to this thing are breathtaking. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, it's just a, yeah. a great show, I just think, has been Well, if you rescued. also have not... I mean, I've been going to a couple of the MoCA-related events at the Society of Illustrators mm. lately, and uh, they're just top-notch. Yeah. I mean, there was this Drew Friedman show where his old Jewish comedians where a bunch of them showed up and... It was such a good time. Nobody great. wanted yeah. to leave. Yeah. And uh, the other night, there was a show for Jeffrey Jones. They have a beautiful uh, show right now of Jeffrey Catherine Jones' work. They showed the movie about her life. And uh, really great events, well attended. Um, and They know how to put on a show. They do. And I, I again, I, I really give Anel 
credit. Yeah, oh, because absolutely. she is a person with a vision. Her she really is. And a con and like that really needs a vision in order awesome. to work. Yes. Yeah. So right. anyway, Mordecai. So comics, the film, the TV. Yeah. Speaking of visions, um, there's a whole spectrum in in comic television and movies as to how much creator involvement there is, ranging all the way from Walking Dead to well. That's some of the properties we're about to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, with dubious amounts of creator involvement. Or. Or none at all. <laughs> yes. Uh, the Boondocks is coming back to Cartoon Network for its final season, season four. Um, and creator Aaron McGruder appears to have zero involvement in it. Indeed, when they uh, put up promotional material for it on the show's Facebook, he claimed the page had been hacked. <laughs> it's a bad stuff is going it's a, on. That's a bad <laughs> sign. And, I mean, it wasn't just that he was the show creator. The Boondocks was, as some of you may know, a uh, a newspaper comic. Written oh, yeah. And all, the, all the aughts. Remember them? Uh, they yes, were indeed. a time of great you know, well, uh, turmoil. Well, change, I mean, Boondocks was a beloved but, comic, it but it was not... popular newspaper. Yeah, it was not it. in the papers for very long, unfortunately, because he moved into animation and, and the strip fell by the wayside but for a brief golden period it was a very successful and beloved comic and he was a major voice in the first three seasons of the show he was practically showrunner mm-hmm. but he's no longer affiliated with it in any way as far as anyone can tell pretty astonishing actually. which is interesting well they said in the press release that uh he was not involved due to scheduling issues and now, just to, there's a lot of different factors mm-hmm. and about this. And Magruder, by his own admission, is pretty difficult to work yeah. with. Yeah. Okay, so as I've heard, yes, well. everybody. That's yes. that's pretty well known fact. Um, not to denigrate his talent or his vision or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does have a show coming out on Adult Swim and live action called Black Jesus that mm-hmm, he's been working yeah. on. So apparently, bridges have not been burned. Well, or alternately, the. Um, Boondocks Bridge got burned after he started work on well, Black Jesus. One theory is that uh, his problem, or, or the problem's more with Sony, who is the distributor of the show, mm-hmm. that Adult Swim, who is the, uh, or it, Sony, I think, is the production house. Anyway, Sony is involved in it, and apparently Magruder and Sony don't get along more than Adult Swim and uh, Magruder. So right. uh, that's well, part but, of the theory. I mean, well, it's certainly understandable that they would want this show to continue and would do whatever they thought they could to make sure it would, given that it got them good ratings. Um, This, again, is proof of when you sell over right, turn over right. Well, frankly, I thought the thing had been cancelled. It's been so long since the last season. Yeah, right? I thought the thing was, I thought it was cancelled. I'm sure there was a big, long, very complicated story behind this (laughs) that we don't know that we're not It'll probably come out in 30 years (laughs) or something when someone writes a tell-all. Yes, or maybe when I email somebody, I'm thinking of emailing. (laughs) (laughs) Anywho, well, another... We've got the beat, ladies and gentlemen, and you don't. Another (laughs) example of this is the Gem and the Holograms movie, which is coming out uh, by the guy who directed um, G.I. Joe Retaliation. Yeah, yeah. But he also directed, uh, directed Step Up. So, you know, well, I, don't, I don't claim to know anything at all about well, Jim. I, I can say that <laughs> he, so, he does it. have a certain touch for inspired lunacy. However, um, the creative team appears to have zero women on it, unlike mm-hmm. the original cartoon. Mm-hmm. And given that 98% of the characters are female, that's an interesting choice. Um, the creator was in, seemed to be quite gracious about the whole yes, thing, she, though she not was, happy. She was un, 
she wished she had been in some way involved. Well, just to to put this in the context, I mean, the show was created by Christy Marks, who yes. was a regular writer for Hasbro. Uh, the show was a joint venture between Hasbro and uh, I think Nirvana Animation uh, and some other yeah. production entities. And and Christy Marks, I mean, it's worked for hire. I mean, it wasn't like she came no, to them she with her idea. No, so she was hired to she, write it. She agrees she, they're well within yes, their rights. Yes, she yes, just, yes. But would love to have been involved. Right. I mean, I yeah. think it's even at this point, especially with everybody still talking about how there's not enough women in animation, it would be nice to um, actually, you know, recognize a woman who is in animation. Yeah, yeah. And, and at, at least, least consulting her Or at somewhat. least give her a props or give her a shout out. Or, I, I hope she's in the credits. Yeah, or say something. Yeah. Well, she probably isn't because I don't know how that... But anyway, you know what? I, I think I think there will be some more to come on this, to be honest. Because it would, really it sounds... certainly hope so. Well, well her let's her this way. response if, to it seems... I mean, At least she, on the she, in the public side, <laughs> completely non-threatening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So she was, it's she was, hard to imagine why she couldn't be given at least some symbolic connection. Well, to I think it. it just didn't even occur to them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's probably it. I think yeah. they yeah. didn't even remember there was a human being behind <laughs> yeah. it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Which being just fans of the pro- program are a little bit odd, but yeah. Uh, um, although you know, who knows? Maybe she'll have a Stanley style cameo in it. Yeah. But um, fans are looking forward to it because it really was a, a really fun, bizarre, over-the-shop little show. Yeah, um, it was. About two warring rock bands and hologram technology and secret identities that didn't make any sense. I and can't say I've ever watched it, ever. But there well, you go. Well, you weren't a girl child in the 80s, uh, so... No doubt. You know. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> it's fine. One um, of my many flaws. <laughs> no, but, but, I mean, it, it does sort of prove that in order to, you don't need... Superheroes in order to have superhero level bizarreness yeah, so. <laughs> in an animated property. Yeah. yeah. Um, and speaking of superheroes and uh, creative control, uh, Amanda Waller, aka The Wall, uh, leader and creator of the Suicide Squad in DC Comics, uh, has, as we may have mentioned on the program before, undergone something of a change. Since the new 52. Talk about shapeshifter. Yeah. Yeah. She went from um, being, in her own words, fat, menopausal, and black, to just being fat. I mean, just being black. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, uh, and not only in New 52 now, that when they did a version of her on television for Arrow, which just came out the other week, and... They also had her Suicide Squad one-shot just come out this week. Um, she was sort of skinny cardboard version of Amanda yeah, she's Waller. Like, yeah, well, she, didn't they, wasn't she in the Green Lantern movie, too? Wasn't yeah, she but, Angela Bassett? She was Angela Bassett. Oh, that's right. But you know I what? I forgot about that. I mean, Angela... She's about as, you know, buff as you could possibly yeah, yeah. be. I mean... So I guess, yeah. Well, but on the other hand, I mean, at least Amanda Waller was portrayed as, like, not... 25 yeah and of a certain formidability right right exactly um and so john ostrander in his regular column on the internet said that while he completely accepted that was Hmm. dc was well within their rights he just felt it was a mistaken creative decision because it made her too much like every other character in the dcu yeah more in sorrow than in anger yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, exactly. Uh, um, you know, a very distinctive character was you know, basically kind of made to look like every other character. superhero character. 
Yeah, you know. yeah. Uh, you know, this is a, skinny, this young, is, and buff. This is a topic for an entire podcast that we usually go back to, but, um, but you, you know, know, there's a there's an entire again the whole diversity question that we've been talking about, and uh, there is uh, uh, you know everybody's been talking about this this new audience from Eric Stevenson's an Image and Axel Alonso and Tom Brevoort at Marvel and Ted Adams. I interviewed him the other day, and he mentioned that and. You know, everybody's talking about it, but not one certain company. And uh, I'll let you figure out which one it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is that, I mean, I can understand they're like, oh, it's TV. Everyone has to be hot. But it, her backstory doesn't work if she's under 40. Well, you know, to be fair, though, isn't Arrow like every, no man ever wears a shirt on it? I mean, isn't it like, you know, all yeah, well, about, it's stu- a, it like green stud muffin? I mean. True. But, <laughs> but she she could have been. <laughs> a, a but even the people over forty are all hot, right? So they could easily have had like big buff forty something Amanda Waller or something, but they didn't go that route. Right? They it just seems went. as though they could have kept her at a, a you know at a, at a body type maybe a little bit closer, if not you know like yeah stout, then at least you know not skinny. Right. And yeah. certainly um, some sense of the, you know, her personality. Gravitas. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, um, I, but, but, but anyway, I sort of, this, I can, I can tie this in. Um, but this is, but these properties, because they are owned by the corporations, have, you know, a broad reach. Whereas um, Brian Michael Bendis uh, is finally having powers come to the screen. Um, and he does have a big amount of creative control, but the screen in question is PlayStation. That's right. If you want to watch Powers, the television show, you need to watch it on PlayStation. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, everybody's got their PlayStation hooked up to their TV, so. No. As, as they we don't. Do in our, well, if you have well, a PlayStation, well, if it's you hooked ha- up to your well, TV. Of course you ours do. Is, but if ours you is hooked up to our up TV, but I tell you, we almost never watch the TV on it. Almost, you know, films on. Oh, it. that's how we get Netflix at our house. So well, we watch but, it all the well, time. We, I, actually, I think Jody uses the friend of the show and my wife, Jody. Uh, I think she. We also look through the Wii. You can also look through stuff through the Wii, right? But and Netflix too, I believe. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, if you haven't got a PlayStation, there's no easy on ramp like there is for say Amazon or Netflix, where you can buy a ten dollar membership and see it. I mean, if you haven't got a PlayStation, as far as I can tell, you can't watch this television right, show. Right. Well, but at the same time, just if you're looking at Powers, I mean, this show was in development at FX. They actually made a pilot, and then the pilot was passed on. So, I mean, it's already been, you know, it's yeah. already been around. Okay, right. let's put it this way. And, um, but again, as far as TV goes, there's no TV anymore. You know, it's, oh, I'll download well, yeah. this for Amazon. Well, right. Or, but I mean, or I'll stream it on Netflix. Well, I, so, I, I mean, I agree with you. It's limiting the audience, but, you well, know. What I just meant is is when you go it, you know, with that much creator control. I mean, I really do think that the networks back off it a little more than they do if it's from a massive corporate entity that will let them do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. That yeah. you know, yeah, well, that I did find it a little weird. It is creator only control on can scare I them mean, off. I, I mean, I'm we are our PlayStation is hooked up, but I you know it, I don't. Maybe that's just my generation. I actually don't think 
to look to PlayStation for TV shows necessarily, mm-hmm. even though we have it hooked up and yeah. occasionally well, we, we use it Yeah, that we way. have it hooked up just because yeah. we never figured out how to get the computer hooked up <laughs> to, the pl- to the... Well, because our TV is an older TV, so uh, it, does, right. it isn't internet ready, so we have yeah. to use... Uh, we use the PlayStation to get Netflix. I, I mean, I guess now we could do it on our computer, but yeah, we yeah. have a PlayStation, so... Yeah. You know, we never play video games, though. I will say that. But, um, you know, anyway, listen, good for Brian Michael Bendis, though. I mean, yeah, well, this, I mean this is his what? signature creation, and he's going to be one of the showrunners on right, it. You, and you, you know what? I'm going to look on, I'm going to get the daggone PlayStation up and I'm going to find well, powers on I it. Well, I have... <laughs> yes, yeah, so you that have we've PlayStation talked about and it. I have a feeling that eventually there will be yeah. other ways to watch this show. Eventually. Yeah. Well, let's hope so. Yeah. Eventually. Um, Can you see but, it on the web? No. I, well, we don't know. It's a long it's, way away. It's yeah. a long way away, but it's sounding like you need a PlayStation. Yeah. Um, and I think that there's probably only like two powers super pants super fans in the world who will buy a PlayStation just to watch it. Um, <laughs> I so like powers. I like, I, I, I like powers, but <laughs> I not enough to buy a PlayStation. Um, and now it is time for the briefs. Far away. Okay. Calvin, I do believe you have a brief to share with us. Uh, I guess I'm going to be talking just briefly about uh, Yen Press and Square Enix uh, teaming up uh, for a big distribution deal for their digital manga, and this is what I mean. What's really interesting about this is that you know uh, the the Japanese manga publishers, uh, you know, for many years were criticized for really dragging their feet on digital, and in fact they did uh, um, uh, until it seems as though that the whole category was on the brink of disaster. But now we see really imaginative digital licensing problems, it seems, at least from some of the more significant uh, manga publishers in Japan. And this seems to be the latest one. I mean, Yen Press is square one of Square Enix's um, uh, licensees here in the U.S., and they actually do quite a bit of Square uh, Square, Inches ti- uh, square Enix titles. And uh, they had a variety of sort of really almost digital pilots. Uh, the Yen Plus online magazine, uh, their app, now, they ended the M-Plus magazine at the end of 2013, uh, and basically now what they're doing, they've entered into a partnership. They're going to oversee basically the worldwide distribution of about 175 different uh, series uh, coming out of Square Enix. Square Enix is that many titles? Uh, that's what they're doing. 100, wow. Uh, 175 Square Enix. Now, I think when I say that titles, I mean series. Yeah. There's more than, obviously, more than a single title. Uh, distributed to more than 200 uh, uh, um, countries around the world through all of the major ebook retailing platforms Apple, Barnes and Noble, Google, and uh, Kobo. These are downloadable ebooks. Um, uh, I didn't get any pricing on it all, but it's going to launch on April the 8th. And in addition, on April 14th, they are uh, launching, they're enlarging their simultaneous chapter release of Japanese English language manga. So they, they, they're working with Soul Eater Not, I believe, right now, and they're going to launch a new series um, called Secret also uh, at that time. And these, uh, they release a chapter, uh, as soon as the one goes on sale, in, uh, um, well, they were releasing this through the Yen Plus. Digital magazine, but now they're going to do it strictly as ebooks. Yeah, uh, which will have a larger reach. I yes, think. A- absolutely. And then you, you know you can buy it through the app. You can you can get it through all of the various uh, ebook retailing platforms. And staying on the subject of manga for well the rest of the briefs, um, <laughs> there's now going to be a Fukushima manga from a mangaka 
who actually worked there in the cleanup. Um, installments. This is the Katakawa. This is the Katakawa manga, isn't it? Because I think it's actually it's c- coming ins- through in- that. Um, installments have been coming out, but they're now they're announcing that it will be uh, an ongoing collected series, fully published, not just a few throwaway yeah. installments. Um, uh, basically, the comic book artist is Kazuto Tetsuya. And um, that may not be his real name. Um, he may. There's some suggestion that he's not using it for fear of offending his previous employers. Mm. Um, and the comic is called One F: The Labor Diary of Fukushima Daiichi Nuclear Power Plant, and it's about sort of the combination of boredom and physical terror. And I can imagine. You know all that, so I think it'll be an, an interesting inside look, and I believe it's coming to English. Yes, it is coming to English. Excellent. There. So, in a less enlightening manga story, the New York Times has made <laughs> a small <laughs> mistake. Excuse the chuckles. Excuse the chuckles. But yes. continue, Kate. Continue. Yes. Um, New York Times recently had an article about your ability to read comics online and how convenient it was. <laughs> and one of the three apps endorsed, aside from um, Comixology, was Manga Rock, <laughs> which basically funnels, for the low, low price of $4, funnels pirated translations into your iPhone. It's sort of hard to believe that the Times is not paying attention to this. Well, it is the New York Times. And well, as I said, when I first saw this story come across my feed, uh, if you're n- completely unaware of digital comics or looking where to start, this piece may interest you. Because it did seem like this person was like walking in the woods and, you know, saw something glinting under a rock and yeah. lifted it up and says, what? Digital comics. Oh, let me see what my wife says about this. <laughs> yes. But... <laughs> But what makes it interesting is it sort of proves just how easy it is for someone who knows nothing about comics to get in. To fall down the path of evil. Well, to to not even even be aware it's the path of evil. Mm -hmm. To not even know that it's pirated. To be like, well, it's on iTunes, so it's legit. Yeah, and it also shows up as we keep talking about uh, how manga is really, you know, lagging behind and having a comicsology for manga, having a a portal, a platform Mm. that is somewhat reliable and presents enough of a breadth of material. And you know what? I mean, this is... It's 2014, people. I mean, you know, Urasawa, beloved Urasawa sensei, please come to your... Come, you know, digital is okay, dude. Yes, come and on. You go get... sit in your room with Chris Ware and Dan Klaus, you know, and talk hey, about yeah. how digital you hate will digital. Be fine. <laughs> but yeah, but really, we expect a paper record to do, to do a little better job than this. Yeah, yeah. well, it just shows how in some eddies of the paper of record that digital comics are a strange and marvelous thing. Yeah, like and, uses and completely of kale mysterious. And sprouts. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I'm sure someone has will tip them off eventually. Who knows? Maybe they even listen to more to come. Yeah, <laughs> they they uh, they as as of this printing, while well, the comic world is a little aghast, um, the 
New York Times has not pulled it down or even edited or the article it in any way, or, yeah. or yeah, I mentioned just looked at it the, and it's nothing. Still, <laughs> and it's still in there. Yeah, well, maybe it's a yeah. little bit more uh, rebellious than, uh, or you know, fa- forward-looking than we even thought. So. Yes. <laughs> maybe they're making a statement. Maybe scan leaders have taken over the New York Times. They're coming from <laughs> inside the paper. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Well, uh, that ma- that's it for that's this. That's it. Right, we, are we actually, we're, we're wow, it? for the we're, first time ever, done. there's not more to come. But next week, there will be more to come. Yes, there will be, be more to come.